you're doing the same drills for all of your pitchers, if you're doing the same drills for everybody, 25% of them are getting better. 25% of them are, are not getting any better. 25% are getting worse and 25% are hurt. And I think that's probably right. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackMan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. During this episode, I interview Adam Mosley, head baseball coach at Hoover High School in Hoover, Alabama. Since taking the job in 2014, Hoover has had five state playoff berths, 29 college signees, and in 2017, they won the Alabama 7A state championship. Coach Mosley was also the world champion 2018 USA Baseball 15U pitching coach, and on the show, he offers an informative discussion about what it takes for him to develop their pitching staff, how they establish the team culture for new players, and how he gets to know each of his players better personally. This episode is so good, and here is Adam Mosley. Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Definitely. Well, I have, uh, I've been trying to get you on for a couple years now, and, and I'm finally excited that you know, you took me up on my invitation and we get to dive in on, on player development. And I know you're one of the best guys in the country. And whether you admit that or not, I've had several sources that have told me so and several that, that have worked closely with you and had nothing but good things to say about you. So I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, to really grill you with some questions and see what you guys are doing and hopefully still a bunch of different ideas. Well, yeah, I think you have to maybe question what kind of judge of character you are based on what you just said. But, uh, you know, I'm, <laughs> Whatever those guys have said about me, I, I'm very thankful for them saying it, and um, I'm excited to do this. You know, it's always fun to kind of examine what you do as mm -hmm. a coach, and, and maybe even look for holes in it. And going through, kind of organizing some thoughts prior to something like this, you know, it kind of always points out maybe different ways you you know you could get better, and mm -hmm. and, and maybe also some highlights of things that maybe we do well that other people might get something out of. Oh, no doubt, and you know, something that I try and look for within the coaching world is sustained excellence. And, and you guys have, you know, obviously you're talented, but you guys have been really good for as long as you've been there. And, and you know, I just, before we jump with both feet in, can you give us a little short mm -hmm. snapshot of how you decided to, or where you're from and really how you decided to get into coaching? Yeah, so I grew up, we moved a little bit when I was a kid, but when I was in high school, I lived in Huntsville, Alabama. And kind of at that point, I knew I wanted to be a coach and, you know, God, put that in my head and that's kind of I just knew at that point that's what I wanted to do and so mm -hmm. it drove where I decided to go to college I played at Birmingham Southern for coach Shoup and I, I kind of picked walking on at Birmingham Southern because I thought you know he could uh really mentor me uh and I, I was self-aware enough to know that I needed some mentoring too for sure I knew I didn't have it all figured out no matter how I acted I, I, I did know that mm -hmm. when I was there at Birmingham Southern I was lucky enough to play for Man, these three coaches are incredible men. You got Brian Shoup, 
Darren Schoenrock, who's now the head coach at Memphis. He was our pitching coach for three of my years. And then uh, Butch Thompson was a, an assistant coach in varying roles for three of the of my four years there. Oh, fantastic. So, you know, getting – yeah, it was great. And you kind of just kind of are going to get to absorb a ton of things just, just by being there. And I like to tell people that, you know, anybody could have come out of that program the way Coach Shoot ran it, being ready to be a coach at least in some form or fashion. Doesn't mean you're going to be successful, but at least – you, know, you at least have a very good fundamental knowledge of the game. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you look at what's happened with Coach Shoup's program and the coaches he's had, his coaching tree is pretty amazing. And so I hopefully that – or hopefully I get a chance to, you know, maybe be a positive impact on that coaching tree a little bit. And not like those guys have been, but, you know, it, it, I always kind of point things uh, back to him. And then another man I point things back to is, is where I went right after Birmingham Southern – when I got them playing, and I was not very good, just an average left-handed pitcher who thought he was better than he was. But I went, and I, want, I, I knew, again, I wanted to be a coach, and I looked around for the best program you could possibly find. And it was actually the best high school program in probably in the southeast at that point was in Birmingham. It's the best Avery Hills High School. And, and Sammy Dunn was there. And so I, I kind of annoyed him and continuously called him until he couldn't say no. And I was going to be in graduate school at UAB. And so while I was in graduate school, I just came and helped with him and threw batting practice and tried to soak some stuff up. And and then from there, I bounced around. Once I started actually coaching, I bounced around. to I started at Vestavia and then went to Moody and then got an opportunity to go back to where I went to high school at Grissom High School in Huntsville. Mm-hmm. And I was there as, a, as an assistant for three years and then a head coach for eight. And it was really a neat experience to be able to coach where you went to high school. And then uh, after, at the end of that eighth year, I got a phone call from a really good friend of mine. Uh, He's now our athletic director at Hoover, Andy Urban. And Andy asked if I would want to talk about coming down to Hoover and being a coach there. And I said, well, sure, let's talk. And so I sat down and talked with him. And, and, you know, it's one of those things, like, I was at my destination job, my dream job. And and I was 30 years old when I got the head coaching job at my dream job. And, and, uh, you know, I still loved Grissom and where I went to high school and everything else, but you have to, I think hopefully one thing maybe people would get from this and and listening to me talk is you do have to do what's best for your family at any point. And and moving to Hoover, I was given the, the opportunity to maybe see them a little more, provide a great setup for them, which, which Grissom did as well. But, but that's the goal is, you know, just be able to provide what you can in the best way possible for your family. At least as a coach, you know, you're not going to be able to do it financially. So you hope you can provide some other things for them. And so, you know, I've been at Hoover for five years and, and this is, this will be my sixth year. And we've had a, a pretty fun run here. We've had a lot of college players and, and a lot of great young men that we've been able to coach. And it's a, it's been a great experience. I love that. And I love to, see a, a short snapshot of, of where you're coming from, just because I think we've all had those mentors that we look back. And at the time, we were looking ahead and trying to figure out what we're trying to do. And at the same time, they're trying to mold us into the best version of ourselves. And, and that's really awesome to hear. And, you know, so let's go ahead and, and jump into this fall and, and what you guys are, are doing currently. And, you know, what, is, what does the fall look like for you? What are your time restrictions? And you know, how do you get the most out of them? So just take us through a typical week, if you don't mind. Yeah, I'd be glad to. So in Alabama, um, we have some different rules. I know every state does. And, and ours, essentially, we can spend as much time as we want in strength training and conditioning with our kids. There really isn't a limit on that. But when it comes to skill development, we can have five guys at a time in a group with one coach for two hours a day. So that right there, it's a, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time, because you can have one group 
at a time on, on your campus anywhere working. So when you've got, say, 40 guys to work out, that could turn into a long week pretty quick. So uh, we have a, there's a big premium on being efficient with what we do. And so with that being said, uh, we try to, it's basically a balancing act of strength training and conditioning along with skill development. And so what we do, our, our strategy for that is actually first, I guess, in August, when we, right when we get back to school, we'll do our tryouts at that point. And so that, that basically will be a kind of a, we get five days to, that we can try kids out. And so we'll take those five days early in August, well, middle of August, and we'll try them out and, and we'll get our roster. We have three teams on our, at Hoover. We've got a varsity, a JV, and a freshman team. And so out of that, generally the varsity is going to be 25-ish. Uh, the JV and the freshman are, you know, hopefully upper teens somewhere right there. And a lot of that is dictated by, you know, how many guys are going to play up. And, and we, we definitely try to go with what most coaches would tell you is that, you know, we're going to try and play the best nine at, at all times. And, you know, sometimes that includes young guys and sometimes it doesn't. You know, I would say if you got a good program, uh, hopefully the older guys are really good contributors because you've been developing them as they come in and you're not just relying on the next guy to, to come as a freshman or whatever. Mm -hmm. But so we'll do, we'll do that trout in August and then we'll have our, we'll start our strength training as soon as it gets done. And what we do is we hire out a company called Godspeed. And so it's a, the guy's name is Lance Rhodes and, and he has started this, this business, you know, years ago, he's a Hoover graduate and almost every NFL guy in that, lives in Birmingham, it seems like uh, they train with him in the off season and a lot of the baseball guys too, they train there as well. And so he's going to come to our place three days a week and they're his and our coaches exist in a support role at that point, because you know, what, what I used to try to learn everything I could about strength training. And what I learned is, is it's, it's just so hard to keep up with it oh, because absolutely. it's, you know, you got Eric, gosh, that's right. You got Eric Cressy and all those guys that are out there just constantly changing, pushing the envelope and learning and doing all that stuff. And, and I, either I could keep that on myself or on my plate, my coach's plate, or we can make a, you know, a financial commitment, a fundraising commitment and a program wide commitment to let's go get a guy that can help us out. And he spends Early in the year, he teaches our coaches what he is going to do with our guys. He he learned, teaches us cueing to use with those guys. You know, we, we want him to do these things at this time and in these positions, all those kinds of things. And then he takes it and runs with it. And the neat thing about it is if you're – I think a lot of times if you're running your strength training program, you only kind of exist with the guy that's in the front of the line. And now we can exist with the guys that are throughout the whole line of anything. You know, we can be with the guy in the back of the line watching sweat and – and helping and encouraging and developing relationships and, and, you know, watching them do everything they do and, and just working through it with them instead of maybe existing in that overseeing role. Now we're, we're kind of in a situation where we are working. We're not actually working out with them, but we, we're right there with them the whole time. And so that's been a blessing for us to have Lance. It's, it's great. It's been a blessing to have him and he is, uh, he treats kids right. And, and I think, you know, if I were advocating for any coach for, you know, something, Hey, what, what's the place I can make a jump? You know, well, just think about what we're doing there. We're gaining time by in our lives by now I'm not going home on the weekends playing in the workouts for the week, at least in the, in the weight room, I'm not. And we're gaining relationships by building, uh, being able to build them with those players while they're doing stuff. And we're, we're putting another positive role model in their life. And, and I think um, you can't have enough of that. Okay. If, if you don't have, positive male role models in their lives they're running to a role model whether they know it or not so let's go find the best ones we can have and let's get them around them so 
that's every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's Monday and Wednesday in the afternoons. And then Friday morning, we come in at six. And, and I know a lot of people want to lift in the mornings and I'm not knocking it, but I also know that I like to see my kids in the morning. And I know that most studies would say that high school athletes are in better shape physically to get their workout in in the afternoon. And so we do that Monday, Wednesday, well, really Monday through Thursday afternoon, we're doing something. Okay. And then Friday morning, we're coming in in the morning just so, you know, football's big at Hoover and, and we're incredibly really, supportive of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've won a couple games. Uh-huh. You might they'll be on TV once once or twice. And sure. So we want to give them Friday afternoon to go be a kid and, and, and go to a game or, or you know do whatever it is they're going to do. You know, a lot of them are going to go play in tournaments over the weekends and things like that. And so it just fits that schedule. So that's our strength training. And then our, our Tuesdays and Thursdays, mm-hmm. we're going to once we get to about the end of September, we'll start uh, throwing. Uh, we'll do a long toss program for a long period of time, about a month. And then what we do, frankly, is we just backdate. We, you know, I, lo- I like a lot of what driveline does. They've got a lot of structure to what they do. It's been great. And I think their sequencing of stuff is just obviously fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so we just backdate off of some of their throwing programs and hacking the kinetic chain, the, the on-ramping and that sort of thing. And that just tells us when we're starting, really starting to grind that thing out. And, the deal is though, the players have got to, they've got to run it. We can't by rule code with them. So what we're going to do before then is try and develop leaders that can go in there and, and, and run it for them and, and, and go, Hey, they set the balls out for us. We've got an hour to get some, some throwing done until the end of the school day. So let's go get some throwing done. And the coaches literally can't say anything. We have to stay over to the side or, or we're breaking rules. So it's a positive negative type deal because it's forcing you to develop some leaders even though you want to get out there and you know get your hands on them and hey get in this position or, or do this or do that, and the only time we can actually do that is in that five on one setting. Right. So that's tough. So the the only other thing on Tuesdays and Thursdays as well is we're going on Thursdays we're going to put it we have a yoga program. This is the first year we've done it and we're we're going to bring somebody in to teach these guys a little bit of flexibility. I think it's a hole in our program and so. You know, Tuesday will be more of a conditioning after they throw, and Thursday they're going to go into some yoga and do all this. Man, there ain't no telling what these these yoga people are going to do with them. But <laughs> I know I've never done it myself, but I know it, I also have never talked to the guy who went. You know, I I didn't feel like I got better from doing yoga. It mm. seems like everybody, you know, they benefit from it. Sure, sure. I, my wife and I have actually started doing yoga on the weekends just because. I mean it. It's if you had talked to me four or five years ago, and, and I think it, you know, it's a pendulum swing with most things in life, and especially baseball. It's, it's you don't want baseball players to get too big and strong, you know, in the '80s, and then they go through the steroid era in the '90s and early 2000s. So everybody's just pumping iron mm-hmm. and getting huge, and now it's getting back to okay. Now mobility is obviously important too, and, and that's something that. I mean, just for the health benefits long term, for sure, it's something that that I've seen in a short period of time, and and your players will benefit from it for sure. And and so, man, that's mm. that's really good. So I hear that you are really good at, at developing pitchers, and I, I don't know <laughs> with the five on one. I mean, that that's got to be tough to to do that. But just give us a give us a look into side and inside what you do for that and. And just okay. again with, with the small groups and not a ton of of time, I I'm really interested to see how you do that. Well, you know, I think it all has to work together. That's the first thing. And so, I would say the vast majority of high school kids, when they get ready to start learning, you know, if you're trying to build them up and teach them how to throw, and and you want them to throw harder and all that kind of stuff, 
to me, a lot of people do it wrong and they, they try to get them in these fixed positions and, and get them in these drills where they all look the same. And I'm so anti that I, I want them to be the best athlete they can possibly be. Mm-hmm. And just in my heart of hearts, I know the best athlete on the mound means that in the seventh inning of the biggest game of the year, he's able to make the adjustment that he has to make to get the guy out, whether it's all working for him or whether it's not working for him that day, the better athletes always win. And so that is the heart of what we try to do is to develop athletes that pitch. We develop, you know, we long toss a ton. I got into that a little bit already, but, you know, I believe wholeheartedly that, you know, the Jager program is right. They, let's go throw it as far as we can. You know, when I was a kid growing up, we'd try to throw it over the fence and we didn't get there, but you know, I'd throw it off the, off the side of my house, you know, thousands and thousands of balls off the side of my house. And we had a brick house and I'd throw tennis balls, not, not baseballs, but tennis balls off the side of my house. Mm-hmm. And my arm worked just fine. And I never really had much problem until I got to college. And, and that was way down the road. And, and I think, so, so generally, let's make the best athlete we can. And let's, we're going to long toss a lot. I think that, you know, there, there's a, a lot of velocity building that's going to come out of that. We're going to implement our driveline program that, that we do. And, and what we're trying to do, you know, I know 501s sound weird and are not weird, but tough to work with. But if you think about it, each kid's got a flaw or a, a mechanical issue to work on. Okay. So maybe he flies open with his front side. Maybe his glove side doesn't work. Maybe his pelvis isn't engaged. All these different possibilities. Well, let's get all those guys together. So, you know, hey, this whole group of five. Each of you has kind of the same general thing going on. So let's train them together in that group. Okay. And so like one day a week, they're going to be with either myself or uh, I've got a guy that helps me with pitching and he's going to actually run most of our pitching this year. A guy named Aaron Wasserman who, who um, he pitched in the big leagues. And so he's going to help. He's on our staff at Hoover. And so one of us is working with these guys once a week. So working it within the 501 framework, if you're a dual guy, which most high school kids are, you pitch and hit, then you're going to get an hour of hitting and an hour of pitching per week with us. So it's pretty, you know, th- at that point then, what we're going to do is our, our five-on-one time is going to be mechanical, and then our other time is going to be the long, you know, long toss and that mm-hmm. sort of thing where a coach doesn't necessarily have to be on top of you. And frankly, it may be better that he's not, that you just set the balls out and you say, hey, man, come back after your arm's done. And so that, that's kind of how we're, that's our, I guess, our sequencing of it and the way we break it up. And I would advocate to anybody that, that if you're doing the same drills for all of your pitchers, you're not, I think I saw a quote by Eric Cressy the other day. I think that's who it was. But if you're doing the same drills for everybody, 25% of them are getting better. 25% of them are, are not getting any better. 25% are getting worse and 25% are hurt. I think that's probably right. Sure. And, and so we need to, you know, tweak them up and, and see what can we do with this guy and, and what that, that all works back to our, during tryouts. We're going to video you. We're going to show it to you. We're going to say, Hey, if you're on our team, that like, these are the things we see, we're going to try and explain it to you. And, and, and Hey, this is what we think needs to happen with your windup or your stretch or whatever. And then tell me what you feel and then get a kind of a two way street going and, and the goal out of all of it is that you have a, in the end, you have a pitcher who knows his own routine and you don't technically have to coach them. They know what they're supposed to do. And your job then is to be almost supervisory and, and just building that relationship even stronger to make them work harder. If you can get to that point, our, all of our best pitchers that we've had 
could run their own season. They just could. By the time the season got there, they go, all right, coach, today I need to do this. Tomorrow yeah, I need to do this. Want. That's what you want. And your, and your pregame, uh, I think back to a kid. We won the state championship two years ago. And I think back to a kid, Brock Guffey, who was unbelievable for us. He's left-handed pitcher. At, at one point, he was on a 67-inning streak where he gave up one earned run in 67 innings. It was unbelievable. Wow. I've never coached a pitcher like him. And so Alabama state championship is best two out of three. And so we played Friday night, and we got beat. And then Saturday, the game started at 10. And Brock liked to sleep. And Brock, you know, he liked to sleep and like drink Dr. Pepper. It's the weirdest mm-hmm. thing ever. <laughs> so we said that the hotel we stayed in was, was walking distance to the ballpark. But where we're taking batting practice was 20 minutes away. Well, what sense did it mean for him to go to batting practice? It didn't make any sense at all. So I said, Brock, we're gonna be, we'll be done with VP and back at the field at 9. And he said, all right, coach, I'll see you there. And he took care of his own business. And he walks in the park at 9, walks in with us when we're walking in. And he goes and throws a two-hitter and strikes out 12. And, you know, that's when you got – no, it's not bad at all. And, and that's when you've got a guy you can trust that has built it in himself, and he's built up his ability to run a routine out and do his own thing within the structure of our program. And, sure. and so that's – I mean, I guess that's a long description of kind of how we're doing it. I would say that there is no – literally no perfect answer. It's always going to change. You know, what you watch us do next year would be different than what we do this year just because – the, the makeup of the team would be different. Oh, no doubt. I I really enjoy hearing that and, and putting a, a ton of ownership on him, and, and it sounds like he earned that throughout the year. And you're So I'm imagining myself becoming to Hoover as a player, right? And and I know the, mm-hmm. I know okay. the, tra- the tradition, and I know the athletic program. And an- another question that I really like is, what type of environment do you like to set up? So What's something that you do in the fall or, you know, maybe even in the spring of how do you integrate your incoming players, whether it be freshmen or incoming, you know, upperclassmen that are new to the program? How do you get them on the same programs that you're talking about with with the pitcher that you just described? So how are you integrating them into the culture and how are you building that? How are you building leaders in that program so you can, once you get to the season, you can kind of let them do what they know is best for themselves? Yeah, so I think it's a great question, and I think the uh, first of all, you have to you have to be willing to trust a kid, and I, I think if you don't trust kids uh, and trust that their heart is in the right place, then then you probably ought to start there, and then and then figure that part out before you even worry about integrating anything. 100%. Because you know, I, I love our. I think by the time you get to be a senior in our program, I told our seniors that graduated this past year, it's the closest I've ever felt to a class. And, and I think you should feel that way as a coach by the time they're seniors. And I hope you feel that way earlier, sure. but you know, sometimes you can't. So what we're going to do, first thing, we, we've got a kind of a big brother, little brother program that we started last year. And, and we're going to, you know, we've got to keep tweaking it and make it better and better. But essentially what that is, is if you played on the varsity last year, that could be the rising senior. This year would be a rising senior and rising juniors. We have a couple of those that played last year. And so they're going to have at least one, if not two, of the new kids that we keep in our program as little brothers. And their job's just to start developing a relationship. And, you know, it's there's not a whole lot of forced activity in that just because you want that to develop, I think, organically. But what we do have them do is do things like uh, if somebody, if their little brother's grades are going poorly, or if they have their little brothers acting poorly in class 
or something like that, then we're going to go to the older guy and say, Hey man, I need you to help us address this and just be, you know, the coaches are going to address it, but then the, the older player is going to help be a parrot almost for the coach and, and say, hey, you know, hopefully saying the same thing the coach is saying, you know, we can't always guarantee it, but hopefully they are. So we got that. Our workouts, all those in the, in the off season are, are sophomore through senior. And this year we're going to have the freshmen come in that don't play football. They're going to be there as well. So anytime you start sharing sweat and you're all sweating together, I think the culture builds right away. I like that. You know, and, yeah, and, and I think so we're gonna finish. <laughs> we're gonna finish every workout with some sort of a, fit, a competitive finisher. And real quick, the seniors and the older guys figure out all right, who can I count on mm-hmm. and who needs to be pushed. And I, I would say, hopefully, that people think that our team really does compete well uh, overall most of the time. And, and I think it all builds from the weight room and fr- from those daily activities that you know it's it's nonstop every day that we're gonna try to finish with something that's competitive and because they're all together there it just it kind of breeds itself Mm -hmm. at that point and you know i I knew kind of we had a chance to have something good from a culture standpoint right sorry i know we do when they're not picking to all the seniors first and and when they're picking a team that's not picking all seniors first they may pick a junior or a sophomore or freshman first because they know he's you know better for whatever activity we're about to do and I, I think that's a, it's a big way for us to create our culture. We don't have it all figured out, but you know, at least we're on, I hope on the right track. Sure. No, I, I think that, that that's a, a really good explanation. And I, I really like the big brother, little brother stuff. And besides them, yeah, just kind of integrating the new guys into the program. Are there any specific things that you kind of require them to do? I, I mean, I, I've heard about this stuff before, but it, it's a, it's a whole other thing to, to get to hear some creativity behind it, especially someone who has done it for a couple of years. Yeah, so, what, I mean, there's some simple stuff that we're going to do or that we do. You know, it's simple stuff like, hey, listen, you need to, y'all, by the end of the week, need to take your, your little brother out to eat or do something with him. You know, whatever it might be, you, you tell me what you're going to do. And, you know, that, that way there's not a specific pressure on it. Like, Hey, we got to go out tonight or anything like that. But I would tell any coach, if you've got say a Buffalo wild wings in town or something like that, and there's a plug for Buffalo wild wings right there. But if you've got one, they've always got a, a 25 cent wing night. Well, how about this? It's either Tuesday or Thursday night in Hoover, 25 cent boneless on one night and regular wings. On, I don't know which one's which. And I think sometimes they're Monday night. Well, how about you just tell those guys, Hey, go pick them up. We've told the parents, hey, they've got, they have this big brother that it's not something creepy or weird when this older guy's calling your son. It's just part of what they're asked to do. And so go pick them up and go eat wings. I mean, because you can eat a whole lot of 25 cent wings uh, mm-hmm. for not very much money. Right. You know, and so we, we got stuff like that. You know, we got stuff where we will go to, uh, you know, our other sports at Hoover are pretty successful. And so we'll load them up and we'll all go take a bus to uh, like this year, our basketball team was, was making a run. Our girls basketball team won a state championship and we'll load a bus up and go watch them. And, and, and that, that's every class is eligible to get on that bus as long as their grades are right. So we'll do some, some fun things like that and just kind of get them all around each other and just let them, let their personality fill the room. Mm-hmm. Let, let them become individuals around each other. No, yeah, I think it's neat when, when the, when a senior says, Hey, little Johnny down there, coach, he likes to fish. I'm going to go take him fishing one day. And nobody knew that going in, but all of a sudden they're going out there seeing who can, who can catch the biggest fish. And we've got, despite the, uh, 
the common perception on the outside looking in. We got some good quality redneck fishermen in Hoover that that can uh, go fish and, and, and they enjoy that. You know, they enjoy that kind of thing. And we got guys who a lot of our guys are on the front row of a student section on Friday nights for football games, and, and they've got their little brother there with them watching and, and being a part of that as well. And it just it kind of it breeds itself. Mm-hmm. But the the global answer on it too is, hey, these the seniors need to be involved in planning this stuff as well. Like if, if the coach is doing it, it's one thing. But if you go to the seniors and go, all right, guys, here, I need y'all to come up with some ideas for what you think would help develop that relationship. They're going to come up with a lot better ideas most of the time than we can. Yeah, just yeah. the way it is. Right. And it's not yeah, forced. They, they're awesome at it. That's right. It's not forced. You just tell them. I would say that the biggest concept is give them a certain number of touches or, or times they need to be around those guys in an out of baseball setting and then let them kind of develop it as much as possible. Oh, perfect. And uh, you know, it's, I know we see a lot of stuff online and and a lot of stuff that is a little bit forced and, and I think there's some definite benefit to that. But I also think that once you guys spend a ton of time together, I think that that it will organically happen because for the most part, baseball players are all the same, whether you're looking at a 30 year old big leaguer or a, you know, an 18 year old kid, 16 year old kid, if, if you put them in on a ping pong table, they're all going to act exactly the same. Or if you put them on a you know PS4, they're all going to act the same. So it's uh, it's really interesting to see that. And, and, and I love that, that aspect of it, but what about yourself? You know, you mentioned that you were really close to the seniors this past year and that's something that I think can also happen organically, but I think it's also something that if we're not conscious about, we can let it slip and, and think that we're doing actually more than we than we actually are. And so what are some different strategies you use to just make sure you're hitting everyone, you're getting to know everyone, and, and you're not just – I feel like especially in our position groups, we talk to those guys all the time, but we may miss out on a lot of other people, and especially as the head coach. So what are some different strategies you use to help with that? Well, that's a great question, and I I 100% agree that you can think you're closer than you are. And so the the first and maybe the most basic strategy for me is I have a list of our players, and I just keep it updated a number of times. Like when I talk to them, I'm just going to ask them, how's everything going? How you doing? Anything going on? And if they want to talk about it, great. If not, that's fine too. Normally, they're gonna they'll they'll bring something out. Those th- those conversations will, will come after a workout. They'll come with the seniors that our seniors can get out of class a little earlier if they've done their job academically and up until their senior year. A lot of them are only in school for half the day, and so they got some downtime there at the field a little earlier than everybody else. And so those conversations would happen then. They'll happen after a practice. I've got a, a former coach of mine. He, he's a pastor. Uh, he helped us coach at at, uh, at Grissom, and and he had a thing he called the three twenty five walk, and he would literally just start with a guy. My Jay Billis does this thing in basketball now on their on their uh, ESPN thing before games. They walk to the end of the court and back. Well, that coach is named Ralph Keel. He would walk from home plate to the foul pole with him and just talk, and it was a really neat thing. And so the, all those things are good, but. I write them down or don't write them down. I type them up and I've got a chart of like, all right, I talked to little Johnny on uh, March 1st and this was going on. Okay. And so I, I want to, what I try to do is get, you know, a touch every two weeks, a talk every two weeks with our guys with, and they probably don't know what's going on. And mm-hmm. I don't really want them to know what's going on. Right. I just, you know, want them to know that we're invested in them. And so my coaches don't even know this, but they're going to be asked to do the same thing. I haven't made our assistant coaches do it, 
but I'm going to make, ask him to do the same thing, you know, this year. And I think that's a, that's one way. So you, you get some, some intent. You have to be intentional about it. You right, can't just, absolutely. yeah, you can't just be coincidental. It's got to be an intentional development. Another personal development thing with our players is, is we have a, a chaplain that comes and works with our kids and chaplain's probably not even the right term. He's a pastor at, at a local Baptist church and he only talks to them about Jesus if they want to talk about Jesus. He, he's really more talking to them about being a young man and, and what, what's the right way to, to handle certain situations. And he's a sounding board. And it was really neat. When I took the job at Hoover, we have a common friend who said, you need to get this guy involved in your program. And I said, okay, why? And he told me, his name is Jeff James. Uh, and Jeff, Pastor Jeff will show up. And his rules, he, he only had a couple rules. He said, I need to be, I need to have unfiltered access to your program. Whatever y'all are doing, I need to be allowed to do it. Okay. He said, and I need gear. He said, because I don't want to be dressed like a pastor. I want to be dressed like a Hoover person. I said, okay, that's fine. Yeah, it's a little bit extra money for the gear, and you get to come to everything we do. And I said, that's easy. And so he's in our dugout in big games. He's in our dugout a lot. He's in, he'll walk up to a practice. He had, we do a character class with these guys, with, with our guys, with him involved, and how to act in certain situations and. He writes letters to our guys and he asks, you know, he'll share some things with me that they say, but only if they give him permission to. And I think as a head coach, you've got to give, you got to feel comfortable turning that loose and you don't need to know everything. But I'd also know that Jeff or one of my assistant coaches can come up and go, Hey, this kid's got something going on today. Let's just watch him. And that's all I need to know until maybe I need, until I officially need to know something. But you have to have that level of relationship with your assistant coaches and with someone else who's involved in your program that you can trust them to to develop that relationship with the kids. So that's, I guess, some of the ways Mm -hmm. that we kind of try to stay on top of those guys and, you know, stay involved in their life and that sort of thing. We um, I think the other thing that I, I, you know, I kind of thought you might write or ask ask a question like that. So I, I had a note and I said, I think you need to let them see you fail. It's just such, it's part of who I am as a coach. I'm going to mess up a lot. And I think they need to see you fail, see how you respond to failure. And then you're, uh, you're working towards teaching them how to be a man because we're all going to mess up. We all know that. And so if they don't see you fail and if all you ever do is be perfect, then I don't know that you've ever actually told them, you know, what real life is going to be like. So that's part of our thing. And, and, and there's a lot of people who tell you we fail a lot. You know, a lot of parents probably think we fail more than we should. And <laughs> that's okay. That's, that's Yeah, that's right. That's their right to have an opinion. But I think you – I mean, even taking something like that, you need to take how somebody criticizes you and handle it right, handle it the correct way. And you're, you're always modeling for your players how to handle those sorts of things. 100%. Yeah, and I, being vulnerable is, is a huge aspect of – you know, true. We talk about you. You've talked about trust a lot, and I talk about trust a lot as well on on most podcasts. And that's that's a huge part of it. Is you know, if they're not, if you're asking them to fail in a game of failure, and we're not showing some vulnerability as well, then I think that you know that's just us trying to be really, or just trying to be more than we are, and and not being authentic. And you know, I, I think that especially on a guy that's won a state title and you know, Team USA coach and being as successful as you are, I'm sure from the outside looking in, it, it seems like, you know, you or and I'm sure you hold yourself to an extremely high standard. And so for them to see you trying new things and trying to not necessarily fail, but being okay with it and getting better because of it, I am sure that gets you a ton of street cred 
not only with your players, but also your coaches. And another aspect that I, I really think that we as a baseball community can do better at, and one, I think vulnerability is one, but also the point I'm getting to next is coaching development. And especially mm-hmm. with, with our assistant coaches and, you know, from just from the top down, you know, our head coach may be the greatest guy on earth, uh, you know, God's gift to baseball. But if he isn't developing his assistant coaches in a way that is really good, then I think that everyone suffers. I think that the head coach is going to be exhausted at the end of the day. But also your assistants are the ones in the trenches every single day with the players. And they're the ones who kind of have a better pulse for the team because as a head coach, you've got a ton of stuff going on. So a, a couple of questions built into one, you know, how do you develop your your assistant coaches and you know what does that look like? Yeah, that's well, that's great. I think um, it's a great question. And, and I think uh, the, the most, there's a thousand ways to look at it. I, first and foremost, I think it goes into who you're hiring. You know, you need to hire guys that fit the development profile that you're looking for. So, you know, I want to hire a guy who wants to be a lifelong learner. That would be maybe the most important thing other than how you treat people is, is this guy going to be a lifelong learner? And so that that's the first part of it. But for me personally, learning and developing, I want to be a visitor to people. Uh, I, w- I want to go places and, and, and I don't want to go alone. Not that I'm scared to travel alone, but that I don't think that we're accomplishing a lot if the head coach is the only one traveling to go learn. So what I try to do, and I want my assistant coaches to be able to do, and we're lucky enough at Hoover to, to have some resources to help us do this, but we try to go travel places and learn stuff. And, you know, we, I was been lucky. You mentioned the USA baseball experience and been lucky enough to develop some relationships there. But, you know, we, if I see enough of somebody on Twitter or on somewhere else or hear somebody talk about someone else enough, I'm going to try and go visit them. You know, like we, last year I, we, we loaded up and went to driveline and I didn't want the you know, red carpet experience. I wanted to show up and see what they do every single day. So we called and said, Hey, we're coming. Is it okay? Is that okay if we come at this time? And we just showed up and Devin Morgan, the guy who just recently on their, on the driveline podcast did one about youth baseball. He, he just showed us around and, and said, Hey, y'all go and y'all look at and see whatever well, I had to define y'all for him. Cause he didn't know what that meant. But, <laughs> He said, you go, go around and let's, and so we just went and, and we, so we were out there and we've been to, with USA baseball, I got to get to know uh, Dan Heefner really well. And, mm, and we went and visited him and I, yeah, he's a stud. And, and like, you know, it's not necessarily where you would think, you know, if you're looking at this whole deal on the outside, looking in, you know, and it's Dallas Baptist where I thought I would end up learning as much as anywhere else. And once you do your research, it's that, that is the case, but not, not everybody knows about that place. And, and and it's the be- it's arguably the best culture mm-hmm. I've ever seen. And but I think that's why you visit is that you feel their culture. Like w- right. when we were at Driveline, we're there on a velocity day, and those guys are walking around that room, and they're as jacked up as a as a football player getting ready to come out of the tunnel in the Iron Bowl. I mean, this mm-hmm. that's their Iron Bowl that day, and they're going to throw it as hard as they can. And I think of Dallas Baptist, and we go visit there, and. You know, we visited on a Friday, and our football team was playing Allen, Texas that night. And so we go to the game Saturday morning. We go to visit again at Dallas Baptist, and, and we we roll up, and they're, it's their first weekend. And I'm thinking, all right, it's a Saturday. You know, kids are it's college kids. Saturday morning is probably going to be rough. And I walk out there, and they're doing they're doing a bunt set, listening to praise and worship music on the on the stereo system or, or on the loudspeaker. And I'm like, 
So this is, there's your culture. And I never would have known that just by talking to somebody on the phone. And then, you know, so we visited there, we, we've gone to, you know, our colleges in the state of Alabama are incredible. You got Sanford, you know, Casey at Sanford's unbelievable, arguably the best hitting guy in the country. You know, uh, UAB's got a great staff, Alabama, Auburn. So I think you've got to be plugged into these places and be involved in what they're doing. I think every college staff in our state and in most states is so accommodating to high school coaches that you you're wasting your time if you don't go visit them. You know, go take a day off of work and go. And, and uh, so I think you, that being a visitor is the most important thing in terms of developing our coaches. But the second thing, and th- this is what I'm, I know I had to get better at, and we're working on it this year, is defining their roles and then and l- let them shape their role a little bit. Sure. So. For example, I talked to, you know, you had Chan Brown on, uh, maybe, I don't remember how long ago that was, and I listened to it on a run, and the, the most important thing I took from that was he said he has a sheet that every coach's role is defined. And I said, well, I don't have that, and that's not very smart by me that I don't have that. So we're going to have that now, and, and we're going to have a role, and then, all right, here's your role, piece by piece by piece. Now you go make it better, and you tell me what I can do to make your role, or sorry, what I can do to help you grow your role as much as possible. Right. And so, you know, I think that's a big deal to trust them to handle that role. And, you know, we got an offensive guy, a pitching guy, an infield guy, a hitting guy, whatever it might be. And are you empowering them to go learn something? And are you, you know, we talked about trust and that sort of thing. Do you trust them enough for them to come back and go, Hey, what we've been doing probably, I think we can do it better if we do this, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what, that's when it really works. I think at that point, so on, on the back of that, we're going to add in a new thing. Every Monday this year, uh, we're going to add in, it's going to be a moonshot day. Google has their little moonshot concept where they just, uh, it will be the best thing ever if we could do this. Well, I think Driveline does something similar that they have their, their employees stand in front of their whole staff and, and they have to, they give a talk about, you know, some research they've been doing or whatever. And then the staff pokes holes in it. Well, every one of my staff is going to on Monday, get five minutes to talk about their area Mm-hmm. Like, all right, this week I've been looking at, I've been reading about this, this book on hitting. And I think these things could work for us. We're going to add them to our playbook and then we go, and then the rest of the staff can try and poke a hole in it mm-hmm. and, or go, Hey, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Sure. And so now they're developing and getting better. And, and you know, it, it does all go back to trust. So you got to trust those guys to once you define that role to take it and run with it. Coaches. Your players aren't afraid to work hard. They just can't afford to get it wrong. And that is why you should attend the 2019 Skill Acquisition Summit hosted by Randy Sullivan's Florida Baseball Ranch and the Strength of Skills from the Netherlands. This annual event will take place on October 12th and the 13th in Lakeland, Florida. This event will have a premier panel of presenters including Franz Bosch from the Netherlands and Rob Gray from Arizona State University. The most forward-thinking coaches in the business will funnel the information down to the bare bones of on-the-field application of leading-edge skill acquisition and motor learning science. You will leave equipped to help your players optimize the return on their training time. For more information, call 1-866-STRIKE-3 or go to floridabaseballranch.com backslash summit. Presenters include Franz Bosch, Rob Gray, Martin Nyhoff, Bart Honegroff, David Mann, Paul Venner, Ron Wolforth, and Coach Randy Sullivan, who will serve as host and moderator for this exciting event. I will be in attendance, and I hope to see you there.
Wow, there's just so much to unpack there. And so let me let me try and do the best I can with the shortest amount of time because the guests aren't listening. Okay. For me, the first one is I think that some listeners will be surprised at DBU Bunts. I think that that is you know awesome. And I, I did hear it. Yeah. Dan's an yeah. awesome, awesome guy, and I, I think that you're crazy if you're in the area and you haven't gone and visited him because not only is he an awesome coach, he's an awesome man and raising a several, several great kids, and he knows exactly who he is. And another, you know, I heard him at a clinic a couple of years ago, and he said, guys, we hit backside ground balls to the second baseman. And I, and everybody just kind of looked at him, and, and he goes, we may be trying to break the second baseman's shins, but we try and hit hard ground yes. balls to the second base too, just for barrel control. And I really like that. And, and he's, again, he's awesome. And, and another thing, just to add on to your roles sheet, you know, after talking with Chan and and I actually mentioned it to our head coach, too, and, and sent him the sheet that Chan sent me, which is really, really good. But just from an assistant standpoint, I, I think it takes out a lot of confusion that we have on whose job is what. And, yeah. you know, and there are some coaches who just want to know their job and do their job. And there's some that want to exceed what they're doing and, and to take on a role of some different things. And so I, I really do think that that's a, that's, you know, we have a sheet for the kids for field work on everybody's job. And, you know, I think that that's only fair to not necessarily put them in a box of this is only what you can do, but Hey, you're expected to do this and you're expected to do that. So just when, when we know that something's not done, we can help that person get that stuff done. And, and we know whose role is what, and, and whatnot, but yeah. I really like that, and I love your moon moonshot concept. I, I think that that's really really good, and and man, there's a there's a lot of cool stuff that you guys are doing, and I mean, it's it, it sounds like that you would be a great guy to work for. <laughs> well, I don't, I probably mess that up a lot, and I'd probably uh, I don't know if I, we may ask too much of them sometimes, but you know, I, I I don't know if I'm good to work for or not, frankly, but I think uh, I just I just believe that you know if you're hiring the the people that fit your personality and fit what you know you want your program to look like. I think these things are going to, they're going to happen, but let's, you know, they could happen organically or you could speed them up by putting some labels to them as well. But I, I do agree that like, if you give them a role and you don't want them to just stay necessarily in that box, but you want to make sure that box is taken care of before they go to somebody else's. hundred percent, hundred percent. And so mm-hmm. with, when we're talking about assistant coaches, what's your hiring process look yeah. like in, you know, I, so I was actually talking to a, a coach this past weekend and a great coach. And, and so I, this is something that I've never been the head of a program. And there are some that your athletic director hires you or at least gives you suggestions. And there's some, there's some coaches that you know you want and you've seen them work. And so I was asking him, I said, I, I really wish that I could see them work with kids before you get them in the hiring process. And if you can't, you know, what, what are some different ways that you get, because at the end of the day, our, our kids are our biggest BS meters. And, and if they're not willing yes. to work with them, and it's really tough to see that in an interview interview, because some people are really good interviewers. And so I, I asked him, and this is what I'm about to ask you too. I said, you know, what, what are some different things you do in an interview? And what are some questions that you ask to kind of get through that? And, and he said, well, he's a college coach. And he said, well, I actually give a couple of my kids my credit card, take them out to lunch and make them interview him. And I said, what? And he goes, That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. He said that, and there will be guys that I want to hire and they come back and say, I would not play for that guy. And I was, and I don't know how <laughs> on earth I would ever do something like that. Or if, you know, we're in the amateur level, we could do anything like that. But I thought that was really unique. And, you know, what are, what are some different ways yeah. that, that you interview guys and just 
not necessarily grill them, but just get to know them and make sure that they're the best hire for you. Well, that's a, uh, I really wish you could watch them work with kids too. I think you nailed it on the head there, but I think you can figure out how they're going to work with kids. If you, you know, maybe ask some important questions. And so us, the fact that I want us to kind of be a growth factory and a leadership factory and continuously uh, growing as staff and, and everything else, I think, so the first question I would ask a guy, or the most important maybe, is, is I believe that you, in that rule of five, that you're going to be the average of the, the five people you spend the most time with. That's just kind of how your life's going to turn out. And so I ask them, who's, who are the five most important people in their circle of life? You know, who, do you, who, who are your five most important people that, that are going to influence you? And so, you know, I've, I've asked people that question before and found out I, you talk about a BS meter. Well, I, well, you can catch one real quick because if he says somebody, you know, and, and, and you call that person, go, hey, Joe Smith really talked highly about his relationship with you. And that guy goes, man, I don't even know who that is. You got him right there. So and it's not necessarily a gotcha society that we're trying to hear, have here, but we're trying to find the right fit because it's that important. You know, these kids are with us for only four years. Some of them are only a year or two. And, and we need to make sure that we got to do right by these parents to make sure they can trust us. So you want everybody kind of be able, being able to pull on the same rope. So obviously if, if their circle is, is strong and it's a, a quality set of people, that's one thing. Uh, another question I ask, and it's very important to me is, is, uh, is what does a game night look for you and your look like for you and your family? You know, my wife and my, I was blessed to have, have been blessed to have three daughters Mm -hmm. and they're at everything we do, unless they're playing a game, they're at everything we do. And they're going to sit right next to our dugout and we have got a great facility and they're going to sit right there in front of my office next to our dugout and they're going to watch everything. And they know every one of my players, they know their numbers, they know their walk-up songs, they sing their walk-up songs at my house. And, and, and that's the standard for me of what I want people we hire to be like, no, everybody's not going to be married. But if they are, boy, I want people that, that their families come to games. You know, that matters. It, I think it matters to our, well, with our players because I hope that I'm teaching our players every single day how to treat a woman and how to treat a girl by how I ta- interact with my family. And uh, when I mess up, I hope they see that and they, they see me have to rehab that mistake. But mm-hmm. So th- that family is a big deal. And then the, the other question I would ask, then the last two, how do you learn? I think, um, what do you do if, if you're going to go learn baseball? You say, man, I want to know. You, know. you can even give a guy like a, a scenario. Hey, I, I want to know. If you want to know more about hitting, where are you going to find that stuff out? And I think that tells a lot about the guy, their answer. And then last thing I think is what's the proudest moment of your life? Now you, if it's an eye-focused moment, it's a red flag to me. If it's a we-focused moment, then I think we got something we can work with probably. So, Oh, fantastic. And and you know it's that's that's really good and I, again i've never been in the process of that and i'm always curious because it's usually be behind closed doors between a head coach and you know maybe an assistant every now and then so that's that's always something that you know we want to hire the right guys because they're they're going to be around the kids every single day and a bad hire can set you back for a lot of years and you know what yes what is uh just on a totally different topic what are some different rules or standards that you have in your program and you know ours are be on time and do things right which are fairly broad but i'd like to hear you know what your rules are and how you enforce those and how you make them important to them yeah it's a it's a good question i'm not a big giant rule sheet guy and our program is not full of tons of rules and i think you know the more 
to me, the more rules you put out there, the more that they start looking for ways they can get around them. But I also think, just like we talked about leadership and developing culture, I think if you can get those players involved in determining their rules, you got a lot better chance of having everybody pulling pulling the same direction. So we went, we started this process last year. We're going to do it again this year, and I know we're going to be, be even better at it this year. But so it, Hoover is the, is the land. When I got to Hoover, it was the our football coach is in the land of acronyms. Like he he's got he has an acronym for every year, and it, he's awesome at it. Okay. And uh, he picks it, it's a motto every year. So for me, I want it to always be the same letters. So so we're going to define bucks, and to start our year, once we have our team. We're going to literally define what the B, the U, the C, and the S mean. And so what we did last year, we li- we just gave them a worksheet, and we said, hey, give me give me what your definition of each of those would be and three reasons why you chose each word. So what we settled on was brotherhood, undeniable, cultivating, and selfless, right? And so so we did, that was all, you know, the year before that, uh, we had a different set. And then the year before that, we had just a different meaning, a different word altogether. And so we're trying to, to give them some ownership in it. Well, once we have our words, then I, then I gave divide our program into, into three, three group, four groups, excuse me. And so I thought this was going to be a quick activity and one group took two days to do this and it was awesome. But so I gave them a worksheet and I said, guys, here's the deal on this worksheet. I want you to be as honest as you can with answers from your group. And so for each of those words that, that we had picked, okay, brotherhood, undeniable, cultivating, and selfless. So, like, we wanted a team that was going to be uh, tight, a bunch of brothers. We wanted a program that was going to be undeniable in big spots. We wanted a program that's cultivating, that's going to kind of, you know, build itself, continue to build itself, and guys that are selfless. So I asked them these five questions. I want you to give me three ways you can implement this word daily or this character trait daily. So that, that they went through and did that. Three ways you can implement this character trait in a practice. Three ways you can implement it in a game. And then we got to, this is where the rules came in. Three ways you can hold someone accountable to this trait. That's good. And three punishment. Yeah, three punishments for not holding up this trait. And you want to talk about awesome. You should see the punishments they came up. It was great. I was like, man, I don't ever have to come up with anything again. Like, <laughs> you know, we great. got, they had all kinds, <laughs> they had all kinds of great ideas. And you just kind of go off that and they've made their rules. And now the coaches are going to guide it. We're not going to have something crazy in there. But if you've done, if you started to build your program the right way, the rules are going to, the kids are going to define rules correctly and it's going to run itself when it comes to that part of it. They're going to put some great stuff down and it may be a little different than last year's, but this team's a little different than last year's team. And so let's make sure that we, uh, we hold them accountable to it. And so that's what we try to do. And we're not hundred percent great at it, but, and we don't do it great all the time, but we at least, you know, I think we we're on the right track. And then so just, I thought a, a couple highlights of some rules that maybe that they came up with last year. I thought okay. they thought they were really neat. The first one was never walk past a mistake. Now that was awesome. You know, I gave him the Jerry Jones is known as being kind of, you know, tough to work for. He, you know, he's, he's on go all the time, but you read about the stories about Jerry Jones walking around his AT&T stadium and seeing a piece of trash and he's, he just picks it up and puts it away. And, and, and he, he's that guy that, did, that never wants it to look bad. And I thought, if that guy's worth billions of dollars mm-hmm. and he can do it, then I, I'm sure we can too. So that's the first one that I thought was really neat from last year's sheet. The next one, exceed expectations. You know, and just if, you, if you'll make it a goal in everything that you do to, to you know, exceed, go past the expectation of, your, of, of what you're supposed to be doing, it's great. The third one that our kids are really bought in, we, we stole it from the Cubs a couple of years ago, like a lot of people did, but we're going to celebrate wins. 
uh, lots of wins in our, you know, after every game, we're going to go in the locker room and have a good time. Uh, after big games, we're going to have a really good time. We might even go in our indoor hitting facility and have a little fun in there, but we're going to enjoy a win because, you know, the travel ball culture, they win a game, they're worried about what the next game is. And we don't want to do that. You know, we, we, we want to celebrate this one. And I can think back to two years ago in our state championship year, and we beat our biggest rival and our kids are going to the indoor hitting facility. They're running over there as soon as they dogpile and they're running in there and they're going to, I mean, they're turning the music on and it's going to get all exciting and all that stuff. And I'm jogging over there after him and our principal looks and goes, where are you going? And I said, well, I said, well, buddy, come on, come with me. I'll show you. <laughs> I told him on the way what we're doing. And I opened the door and our kids are going bananas and he runs in there and like stage dives in the middle of them. That's and awesome. he, it was awesome. And, and now he's a crazy Cajun. So it, it was right up his alley, but it was great. And like, I don't think people celebrate enough. They, they don't, you know, they don't enjoy wins enough. And then our, the last one was, I think everybody has this don't embarrass your program. And, you know, hopefully we can hold up to those. No, that's, that sounds like an awesome time. And man, that's, that's really, really good. And that's something that you're right. We usually take the losses extremely hard and we just take wins like we're moving on to the next one. And, no, that's that's something that I think yeah. sets you apart, and you're definitely the first person that I've had on that has told the story about basically mosh pitting after games, and that's especially getting yeah, some, that's, some it, administration. It can get uh, rowdy in there. I mean, what I've had water dumped on me. I've I've snuck in the backside and dumped water on them. It's it's fun, you know. I, I, if it's not fun, I'm not sure why we're doing it in the long. Right. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if winning isn't fun, then I'm not sure why we're doing it. Definitely, you know. Everything to get the win may not be fun, but but once you do it, it needs to be fun. Sure, sure. Well, what uh, what does a spring look like for you? And you know, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun at all times throughout the year. But whenever you're preparing your team to go out and and just essentially win ball games and have fun doing it, what does a you know, typical practice plan look like? And how much time are you spending on what? And just take us through as much of that as you can. I will. Yeah. Uh, so one of the concepts I've gotten from our football program and, and they're, they're obviously really, really good. And, and our football coach spends, he told me one day that a lot of days they're just going to spend 75% skill and 25% scheme. I go, coach, I don't know anything about football. What does that mean? He said, we're going to work on being really athletic and really good at catching balls or really good at, you know, throwing passes, whatever that might be, the skill of the game and then worry about the scheme of what the other team's doing later on. And let's just run our stuff really well. And so that's, that kind of governs a lot of what we do too. Uh, we try to be, there's a lot more skill than scheme. And, you know, we don't spend as much time on bunt D's and first thirds. And I, I hear people talking about that a lot more now, but we don't run, we spend a lot of time practicing a squeeze and that sort of thing, because it just, uh, it's not as much of what determines wins and losses as other things are. So that's kind of the, one of an overall governing concept is we want to, develop a lot of skill mm -hmm. and then we will get the scheme in there but it's a race for us because we have three weeks of practice full speed practice and then the first game hits so we got to get that skill developed and you know every hitter goes through a time frame where his hand he gets dead hands and that kind of stuff and let's get through that front time frame as quick as we can and so that's an overall or overriding concept for us but you know i talked to several coaches the past year about how they run their stuff big programs like we have and so the segment that we're going to use this year is, is we're going to, it's a little different than what we've had. We're going to start every day with an hour of skill development. You know, today may, infielders may be all defense while outfielders and catchers are hitting and then flip it the next day or whatever. 
we'll do an hour of skill development. Then we're going to have an hour of the entire program together. Okay. Uh, and then, then the kind of the rest would be TBD based on who's got what going on. You know, it could be that the varsity needs to come back and, and run a BP cycle, or it could be that, you know, the varsity's had, it's been two game days in a row and then we had a practice. So they need to be done at that point. Uh, it just kind of depends on how it'll go. But I think a lot of big programs are practicing their whole program together and I've never done it. And I'm excited about it because it gets, you know, we've got seven coaches and they're all going to be on the field at the same time working with those guys. And I think, you know, it's going to be a great concept for us to get, get everybody out there together. And it creates some continuity, I think as well. So I, I think that's the overall overview of it. And, and, Early in the year, we're, we're really about reps and inner squads, and, and as the year goes on, we're more interested in, in kind of getting the players, almost knowing everything that's going to go on in a practice before it does so that it becomes very familiar to them. And, you know, I think one thing that, that we try to do every day in a practice is get guys out of their comfort zone one, one way or the other. We all know that's where growth comes from, and so we're going to try and do that as much as we can. It's hard when you got yeah, a lot of guys, lot of but um, we're going to try and do. Yeah, it is. And we're going to try and do. We're lucky with our facilities. I understand that, and we try to you know make the most use we can out of them. Well, that end, you won't ever have to be confused that your sub varsity teams are not doing the same things that you guys are doing. That's right. It's a big deal, and you know, let's be honest. You, our, our JV coach and our freshman coach, sometimes they're there by themselves. Mm-hmm. So if I can get those coaches along with our older guys around younger guys, when our older guys are developing leadership skills, younger guys are learning, okay, he, that JV coach isn't, he's not lying. This is really what we do. Or the freshman coach, this is really what we do. And it becomes, you know, the continuity and everything else is really a big deal at that point. And it also gives those JV guys an idea of, man, this is what I got to work towards or the freshman, et cetera. That's what I have to work towards to be able to be successful at that level. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And, you know, I'm thinking about this in my head too. Is you've got older guys who may see some of your younger, talented guys going, "Oh, well, I better get my stuff together." So, with within that, with that they're together, is it more? Because I'm thinking, if you're trying to hit with all of those kids for BP, this may be that's a lot. But, no, no. But, okay, yeah, so, so what does that hour look like? So it'll be a lot of defensive reps. You okay. you can have several guys out there taking ground balls mm-hmm. clearly right. or at a, at a time or, you know, we can all of our cut stuff. And, mm-hmm. and every year that we've been good cuts and relays have been a big part of why we've been good because, you know, somebody's going to try to take the extra base and, and we've thrown them out or we've kept a back runner from getting the second base and invariably in a JV and a freshman game, why those are the things people mess up because they don't realize the real value in it. So we're going to do those sorts of things we will get a lot of uh, the, the small stuff. Of maybe that's where we'll work in a bunt defense, a first third. A ton of the base running concepts are going at that point. Mm-hmm. Balls I can go to first or third on versus balls I can't and, and that sort of thing. So a lot of that type of stuff is going to go on in that hour. It, as well as I'm, we're teaching stuff, like how, how do you get on and off the field? And, and what does a dugout routine need to look like? You know, we need to put our gloves in a certain place so we can fly on and off the field and we'll have contests for that kind of stuff, you know, to teach them how to do that stuff. Because in travel baseball, you just walk in, you throw your stuff in the dugout. And people aren't necessarily on and off the field like the, the good teams are. You go watch some of those really, really good teams. That, they, that matters to them. But it doesn't matter to everybody else all the time. So we're, it's all that how to play the game stuff mm-hmm. goes on in there. How to be a professional. That's it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Sure, of course. Well, I when talking about that hour, what's your BP setup look like? 
Well, first, I would say that you need to, you know, we need to make sure we understand terminology. We talked about Dan Heefner earlier, and he said he doesn't take BP. They take CP, which is cru- crush practice, practice, which I think yeah. is awesome. Yeah, yeah. So we, we try to go CP or WP. So CP would be crush practice. We're trying to hit doubles and work on our, our specific ability to, to smoke a ball. Or WP is you know, more of a situational type setup. And so we, we've got a few things we do. Everybody has their standard hitting practice set up. You know, we're, I'm lucky enough to get to watch all these SEC guys hit around us when it's SEC tournament week. They use our field or the ones right next door. So I've seen a, a ton of that. You know, Palmineri's team is out there with each PO in a specific spot. And, you know, like the, the outfielders are in a different spot. And we've done that kind of thing before. And then we've had, you know, where you just put a machine, like I remember watching South Carolina earlier this year, and they put a, every swing was on a machine. And they were just trying to hit balls really coming in hot at them. And they're hitting every every pregame swing off of the machine. We'll, we'll mess with that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and with just your standard grouping. But my favorite things that we do, we have a defensive BP, which is a great, great draw. It's Coach Shoops got it straight from him at UAB. and We did it at Birmingham Southern. And essentially the concept is you've got a group of infielders, a group of outfielders, another group of infielders, another group of outfielders. Okay. And your dual guys, you, you have to go in and decide. So for that day, they're either an infielder or an outfielder. And so um, you'll have an infield and outfield out, on, out there playing defense, one group hitting and one group running the bases. Every swing is played live by the defense, or you could go every other swing, depending on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're telling the base runners to push the envelope. You're trying to take the extra base. There's no punishment for being thrown out, taking the extra base. So we want live action from the outfield. Okay. And every hitter gets two swings and they're trying to execute whatever situation you've got on the bases. So let's say, for example, uh, we've got a runner at first base. Maybe we're starting with a runner at first base. We're trying to hit a double and keep a ball out of the middle on the ground. Because if you're in the middle of the ground, obviously it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So pitch select. You got your the the hitting guys in there talking about pitch selection with this hitter. We got defensive guys out there talking about how we're going to play the game defensively, and every play is played out live, and it's awesome. Our kids love it. You, you know, there's all kinds of creative ways of scoring it. We you know we give a point when you're on offense if you execute that situation on when you're running the bases, you get an extra base. We give you a point. You make a routine play on defense. We give you a point. You make a web jam. We give you two points and. So you cycle through that. You'll put, have two periods on defense, one base running and one hitting on the day. And, uh, I mean, it is live action. It takes an hour, and it's as good of a good of prep for a game as you can have. Hmm. So I love that one. And then we talking with Brian Kane, I've been around him a little bit, and he had a thing called the process game. When I got to Hoover, I was trying to figure out how I want to teach people how to play the game the way I'd like for them to play it. And – it is literally a BP game or a, an inner squad, either way. But it's it's just like a batting practice setup when you're doing a BP game, and you are literally scoring every single aspect of baseball that is that is played. It takes multiple people to score it, but so you hit a foul ball, you're giving a point for a guy sprinting out of the dugout to get the foul ball. You're giving a point for guys going on and off the field in less than ten seconds. You're giving a point for a two zero thrown down uh, between uh, innings by the catcher you're giving a point for throwing around the around the infield after a strikeout in the time frame that you feel like needs to be thrown around and so you score it all and we just got these these score sheets to go along with with both it and the defensive bp game and 
you know, it just takes the monotony of a batting practice out of the, out of the equation. And now we're trying to make it as game like as possible if we can. And then you start, you do those and you start spinning breaking balls at them or change ups mm-hmm. or whatever. And you're, you're basically playing a controlled game at that point. And it's been, it, those are kind of our two favorite non-traditional batting practices to do with our whole team. Okay. Now, another question that comes up a lot is when to get bullpens in because a lot of our guys are yeah. two-way guys. So what's your advice on that? So I, I try to take care of our throwing on the front end of practice if we can just because you want those reps to be as as uninterrupted as possible. And so you can really schedule that out, obviously. And so in that hour of skill stuff, we'd have bullpens going on, unless we're trying to throw to hitters, which I want to throw to hitters as much as we can. So we've got an indoor with uh, with three cages in it. We can throw live in there. We can throw on a mound live to a hitter on the game mound or, or, or whatever we want to do. And so I want them to throw to hitters as much as we can. So if we can combo the bullpen with a hitter working on a, a skill, whatever that might be, even if the pitcher's throwing a short box, and say he's throwing 50 feet, well, that, that's still great for the, the hitter. He's just working on velocity at that point, handling velocity. It's all good. You're learning through failure and that sort of thing. So we're going to do all our throwing on the front end of practice that we can. And then the other part of that is determining how big his role is, either pitching or hitting, because if he's the shortstop slash closer, well, we only need to get, you know, 20 pitches in at a time anyways. So let's go and all your throws in a game are going to be after, you know, after you field it anyways, if you played an entire game. So his practice does have to be at the end of practice because that's, you just got to get him used to doing that. So, but generally our bullpens are at the start of practice and we're going to throw off of an incline as much as possible with a coach talking to him the whole time. We don't generally don't have the coach on the back with the catcher. We generally have the coach with the pitcher talking through feel and, and what is he feeling and, and this is maybe a feel to work on to get in and make an adjustment where you want to feel your hip do this or feel your hand speed do that or whatever it might be. That's really good. It's and it's something that you're usually taking from one or the other. So any any time that we can not have to do that and obviously pitching is a fairly important part of the game. So putting that at the very first practice I <laughs> I think that's a, a you know a great idea and but Something else that we have to deal with in season, and that's the dreaded "Hey, coach," uh, or even worse, the playing time email. So let's say that <laughs> let, let's uh, go from worst case to better case scenario. And so, parent emails you and says, "Why did little Johnny not getting is not getting the playing time that he deserves?" I'd like to hear your thoughts on how you would respond to that. And then also. I'll, on the back end of that, if little Johnny actually comes up to you and asks you. So let's start with the first scenario with the parent. Okay. Well, so the the good news at Hoover is generally, I believe all sports are this way, but we're not talking to parents about playing time. That's just not going to happen. Uh, well, I'll talk to a player about it all day long in terms of, well, not all day long, but, but if they want to come talk, let's have that talk. A parent, we're not going to speak about it. It's just not a, it's not a thing to, uh, it's not a look that we want. It's not something that, that they're generally going to understand anyways. And so uh, talking to parents, it doesn't happen uh, very much at all. Uh, every once in a while, you'll get one that, that thinks that, well, he doesn't really mean that, but uh, just we're just not going to talk about it. They'll come in and ask, what can my son do to get better and that sort of thing. And, and you know, honesty to me is the only way you need to go with that. And, and so we'll tell them what we think. And we, we keep a ton of data on, on different things and, they may not know uh, that they may, their son may have 
been the best at best little league player ever. And now he's just slower than everybody else or, or, or whatever it might be. And, and sometimes they don't know that, but generally that communication needs to come from their, their son. So in season, that's not where we're going to go, but we'll talk to a player in season a ton. I mean, that that's, it's an open door as far as that's, that's concerned. Well, that's good. I like that a lot. And that's just part of their maturation process. Yes. Yes. I mean, you want them to be able to have a conversation with an adult and I would, my, what I would say to every coach that is having to talk to a player or a parent, I think you need to have somebody else in the room with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you need to have somebody else there to, because you're going to think you said something some, one way and it's going to be taken a different way. And, and that you need somebody you trust in there and go, Hey, uh, Adam, you may not have meant to say it the way that just came out and they can help you with it. Or when it's all over with, they can also be, you know, be the person who's, if somebody questions what went on in that meeting, they can say, no, he actually, that's exactly what he said. It was right here. I listened to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So, but now w- w- when it comes to players, I, you know, I, I'll talk to anybody about it just with the understanding it's going to be open and honest. And I think it's a good thing if players are asking you that may be different than other people, but to me, you want guys who want to play. You don't want guys who want to get the Jersey and sit there. You want guys who want to be a part of this thing. So, you know, I think that's, that's a thing that, that we need to, uh, encourage them to ask questions as much as possible right and uh, you know if we're open and honest with them it's just going to help them it's going to help team morale and and it's it's better for the kid especially in the long run but i do want to end with some quick lightning style questions and there are six of them yeah so you know the first one that i always like to know is what, what do you wish you had known your first year or what do you advice do you have for first year head coaches in general Ooh, uh, there, there's some, that's a, that's a loaded one a little bit, but I would say, uh, <laughs> I, the first thing is you don't have it figured out. Be a learner. Don't go into this thing thinking it, it, if you're an assistant coach, you can go in here thinking, oh, man, I, I would, have." it's always easy to know what you think you would have done, mm-hmm. but you, you don't really know what you would have done until you're in charge. So be a learner from other people. And, and establishing a network to me. And, and so to, I view this thing like a, you know, almost like a library. You walk in the library and just start looking at books, you're in trouble. You better have a way to go to the card catalog or whatever it is that library is using now to index those books to go to the section you need to do or you need to, uh, to be looking at. Well, it's the same as coaching or same with coaching. I need to, if I want to learn about hitting, I need to have a network of guys that I trust that can tell me, hey, this is a great person to learn from or pitching or fielding or whatever and have that network, set it up, trust them to help you. And, and we're all in this thing together. I, I've, I haven't met many coaches that don't share information. And if I have, then move on to the next guy. It's not a big deal. So I would say that. And then the other thing I would say advice to a first year young coach, whatever, is that you need to understand everybody's always got something going on. Uh, Kevin Love did a thing earlier this year maybe it was last year uh, where he he had the depression thing going on and and the more you can find out what somebody's got going on and help them work through what whatever it is that's going on the better off you're going to be as a person the better off that other person's going to be and the more of an impact you can have and and it can get real real quick Mm -hmm. you know there i've I've been called out of a classroom with a parent who thought that their kid was going to uh do the, the ultimate worst thing to themselves well, if that relationship hadn't been what it was, I don't know if we could have related to that guy, but it was, and, and kids fine today and it's all good, but everybody's got something going on. 
I mean, like myself, I tell our players all the time. I get not everybody knows. I, I was diagnosed uh, seven years ago with Crohn's disease. And so every day can be a tough day or lots of days can be tough days for me. My stomach can feel like it's on fire. And I tell my players like, hey, if you see that, you see I may be having a tough day. Tell our assistant coaches, you see I may be having a tough day. It may really be a tough day. But it also gave me to get, you know, being diagnosed with that gives me the knowledge to deal with a kid who is such a God thing. Two years ago, we, we, I've got two kids who've got big time stomach issues mm-hmm. and not everybody might've even realized that a lot of coaches don't even understand that that's a thing that that can really be a thing. They think, well, you're just, you know, being soft or whatever, man, if your stomach's messed up, sometimes it can ruin everything about you and you need to go take a few minutes and go, you know, take care of some stuff and then come on back and you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody's got something going on. So let's, let's see if we can help people deal with what's going on in their life and then everything else can be better because of it. It's interesting. You mentioned that we have our starting shortstop this year, uh, has Crohn's disease and, and he had it managed Ooh. fairly well for, you know, 17 years and then missed, you know, maybe the past, the last month of the season because he changed his medication changed a little bit and, and he had to figure out what was going to work for him. So, man, that's, I know that's something that's, it's not a whole lot of fun to deal with and, and that's uh that, that's something that that we're you know like you said a lot of people don't really know about it but definitely something that affects you greatly. The second question, no second question is what is the latest thing learned that you are really excited about? Well, I think you know the answer to this already because we're on a, a little bit of a text message board group. But th- oh, yeah. this the data revolution mm-hmm. and and putting data into baseball or, or using the data of baseball as well as possible at our level is something that I probably have looked like a little bit of a nerd recently. I probably am a nerd anyways, but, but I'm, my head's in a book of some kind all the time, trying to learn as much as I can about this and taking that data revolution and all the new data and how can I individualize our kids specific experience, whether it be hitting or pitching or whatever to make, to, you know, to make their experience the best experience possible uh, to develop them as much as possible. So I think that's a big thing for, for me that I'm excited about. And I think it's a rabbit hole now. I, I would uh, I would advocate that anybody jumps in this rabbit hole better have a good exit strategy because you can get going for a long time. <laughs> 100%. Question three is, what is something that you do in practice that your players love? Compete. We, just, we love to compete and we do all kinds of of them, the, the best competition though is is uh, the, the, where there's the most juice is when our pitchers get to hit because they threw a shutout. We had to take POBP. That's the best day of the year, the best That's times awesome. of the year because our kid, you know, it is straight up heckle time. <laughs> and uh, if they throw a shutout, we let them hit, and uh, you know, they sometimes forget that we're not going to let you hit. Like if we threw a shutout yesterday and it's a big game today, we're probably not hitting today. We're probably going to hit another day. But POBP is a fun thing, and our guys, just they like competing at, at anything, really. Okay. Another good one that I like to ask, and it tells, you know, it tells a, a pretty interesting story, is what is something that you believe that other, other coaches may disagree with you about? Well, I'd say there's probably a couple things. The first one okay. would be play the best possible competition you can play. And a lot of people say that, but they don't do it, or they think they're doing it. We've played in the past couple of years teams from California, Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, Tennessee. We're going to go play the best we can play. And this year we went to Georgia and played four games against three eventual state champions, and our team got better from it. 
And and I think if you're all you're doing is hunting to win, then you're not going to do that. So if you're what you're hunting is growth, then uh, you're going to do it, and you're going to win win a lot of those games anyways because you're going to handle things really well in those games. So I, that's the first thing: go play the best you can possibly play. The second thing is that to me, this I'm probably different on people is is, is I don't think that even keel always wins. I, I know a lot of people feel that way that you need to approach big games like they're any other game, and I think. A large part of that is, is definitely true, but I think big games and big wins require big moments uh, by people, by players, and it's our job to get kids familiar with those big moments in practice. You know, like it, it's just – I think that's part of teaching a kid how to be a man is, is hey, understand this is really important, and these are important times, and you need to be able to perform at an important time. Now, what that level of success is at those important times, you know, I'm not saying that in a big at-bat that, that you got to get the hit necessarily. We want you to get the hit, but did you square the ball up and a guy made a great play with it? You know, it is what it is. But to think that when Hoover is playing Vestavia, it's, the, it's as good a rivalry as, as there is in the country. And there's, there's 1500 people there and, and half of them hate you and half of them love you. And the game's on the line. You, you're trying to tell kid, that's not a big deal. I, I, I don't think you're doing them the right service in, in life at that point. Okay. I like that. If we came to your practice, what would be three things that you think would stand out? I hope you would see energy. Okay, I really do. I, I think that's a, a thing that would stand out. I think you'd see action from our guys. You know, a lot of stuff going on. Not a lot of standing. I hope you know, there's days that there's more standing than others. I hope there's not a lot of uh, not a lot of standing around. And then I think the last thing I, I hope you'd see guys coaching and, and investing in kids. I hope that would be something that stands out uh, to you. And if you came to practice. We would welcome it, you know, like, no, I'm not just saying it because it's you, you know, our practices are open. You just need to be willing to watch your son be coached and, and you can be there. Okay. And then final one is what are, what are some of your favorite books or resources that have shaped your coaching career? Oh, man. Well, clearly uh, the Bible would start off that list for me. Okay. You know, I'm kind of in, I, re- I read a lot. So uh, I read, Zan Barksdale gave me a book called The Go-Giver a few, a month or two ago and that's been really, uh, to me, it's been something that has been really uh, spoken to me because it's all about how, how much you give is going to, you know, is going to be the measure of you as a person. I thought that was great. The Messiah Method was really a good book for me. That's uh, Dan Heifer recommended that to me. And I hate to sound like this name dropper guy. It's not what I'm trying to be, but it's about a soccer program and, and, and the standards they go by. And then uh, it's really, really good. Uh, Andy, anything by Andy Andrews to me has always been really good. And, and um, I'm a big podcast guy, so uh, I listen to yours a lot. I listen to ABCA, Driveline, Cressy's podcast. Tim Ferriss is really cool. It's kind of out there a little bit. And then I love Navy Special, Navy SEAL Special Forces type books. You know, I, there's a, only about a thousand of those things out there now, but um, those things speak to me, I, you know, about hard work and, and, and going by process. And so, I th- you know, those are some of the things I think that would be a big deal, you know, I, it, it it all. I think you just got to be useful with your time when it comes to those things. And, mm-hmm. and I would just suggest turn that TV off. You know, maybe have yourself one TV series. Like I'm going to watch Yellowstone. I love that TV series. But uh, other than that, we don't watch a whole lot of TV. We, we you know, I'm trying to do stuff, trying to learn a little bit, read a little bit, get a little better, and then be a good dad. And so I think all those, if you have the right books and resources, I think those things, you know, kind of speak to that. Absolutely. Well. You know, Adam, I, we all appreciate your time, and you've just we you, we've gotten a 
a tremendous look of what you're doing and what your assistant coaches are building and have built at Hoover. And it's, it's been amazing for all the stuff that you've shared with us today. But if any of our listeners want to get in touch and ask you just about anything that you talked about today, what would be the best way to do that? Okay. So I'm on Twitter. It's at Mosley Adam, but you spell my last name right. It's M-O-S-E-L-E-Y. Yeah, there's an At Mosley Adam. There is. Yeah, it gets people <laughs> messed up sometimes. Um, Facebook or what, and Instagram too. But and then my email address is uh, A Mosley. That's again M O S E L E Y at Hoover dot K one two dot A L dot U S. And and I will uh, if I said anything that was uh, potentially beneficial to anybody, I you know share whatever. I, I've uh, I've learned a long time ago that this this baseball coaching fraternity is is all about sharing and frankly about stealing from other people and Absolutely. in the right way. And we've been lucky enough to play people all over the country and you know, generally we we try to take from you know everybody we play and, and and do the you know the uh, do what they do if if it relates to us and try and try and get you know something from everybody we play and if so if anything I've said is is helpful then I you know I'll share whatever there's no no hidden uh, hidden agenda or hidden book with us. Well, perfect. Well, Adam, I'm just going to open up the mic for you, and our listeners are fully in tuned. Is there anything else that you'd like to tell them before we go? I guess just a couple things. I would say, you know, as a coach, I, th- I think the most important thing is to make sure you understand the bigger purpose and make sure you're, you're modeling for your kids, and and uh, that clearly includes how you how you talk to your family, how you treat your family in front of them, and how you treat other people. And uh, one of you know, I didn't at the beginning, but want to thank, uh, you know, I've, I've had some really close friends in this coaching business and I uh, thank you know, first of all, my family, but uh, last year I was lucky enough to go with USA baseball and, and go coach that 15 uh, year old national team. And we had a group of four coaches that, that we call on each other routinely, Jason Maxwell, uh, Troy Gerlock, Manny Crespo and myself, and everybody that was involved with that group. Uh, you know, it's kind of been a, a great thing. And now everybody that, we've been involved with, with USA baseball before then. And whether it be, you know, people that were at the national development program or, or, uh, down in Florida or Arizona at a tournament, it's been, you know, those people have been, meant a lot to me and, and other coaches just in the state of Alabama that have met a ton to us. And, and, uh, I know like I'm getting asked these questions and trying to share stuff, but really all I'm doing is passing along information that all those types of people have, uh, have shared with me and, and just kind of consider myself really lucky to, gotten to know them and and be able to share, you know, whatever little stuff you might've gotten from. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which could include Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.